0: You think it's safe to ask them? Hear me,
1: all you hosts gathered here.
2: Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate
3: cannibalism. Eat shit.
0: Well, I think we're about ready.
3: Quiet, everyone. Felt are my politics. Felt is my life.
0: From the whispers of the damned, deep within the bowels of hell. Welcome to Astro Radio Z. Don't fuck with the
4: fucking witch. Lights came on again, and we're standing there. I don't know what the fuck. I had my arm like behind my back, and I think she was trying to swallow me. You know what I'm saying? Nah, I couldn't tell you if it was if it was the um if it was the X. I couldn't tell you if it was the hot butter. I couldn't tell you if it was the butter knife that I fucking slit her throat with. I couldn't tell you anything like that, but listen, man, I don't fuck with the witch no more. I can't fuck with the witch no more. Like, even if, if someone tells me the drugs are still free, I can't fuck with the witch no more. She's really, um, don't fuck with the witch, man. Shady said the fuck with the witch, well, he wasn't lining
0: up. be illuminated all the these aisles in this a priest The so-called angel that could save me The demon child's here with a presence Let's wild up the rabies Being locked up or changed, literally changed me No one can break the curse and I can't break free Locked in hell and I can knock it out Psychologically harmed by Satan So you don't know how the trauma felt And never saw my soul This is a skill I bought myself Playing dudes in the land under two a real artist's route This is something you never wanted to experience Battling demons, fighting with Satan And being his experiment The hip-hop witch would always be me truck right taking needle and jumping in my arm, leaving me with the deepest cuts and what a water dollar. But obviously I'm living in I wanted it, but sick of it so go ahead, call me a hypocrite. I'm telling you, split, you listening to me. Listen, don't to fuck, me. fuck with the witch, man. Not the you're not anymore, man. You're not hearing me, dog. Don't fuck with the witch, man. I'm telling
2: you.
0: You're crazy. not hearing me, man. You're not fucking hearing me. Don't fuck with the fucking witch, man! Don't fuck with the fucking witch! God! Damn you. Are you listening to me, man? Don't fuck with the fucking bitch! Oh my fucking god! It's too late, man! It's too late! It's too late, man! It's too fucking late! You're out of order! You're out of fucking order, man! Leave me alone! Leave me alone! God damn it! I fucking told you, man! the oh, fuck to
5: It's got to be okay. Bullshit. Bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, Mark. Welcome to another episode here on uh, the old interwebs. Mark, for some reason, Mel House is running away with the recommendations. This has become his podcast. He is just willy nilly handing us the worst movies he can think of. And nobody's putting up a fight.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah.
5: How do you feel about this, Mark? Eh, I've seen worse. (laughs) I have a feeling you and I are going to have very divergent feelings about the movie Mel picked for us this month, the hip hop witch, which I want to preface by saying not a movie. This (laughs) This
6: non-movie <laughs> called the Hip Hop Witch. I mean, it's a, it's a movie. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Does it? <laughs> let's be very, let,
5: let's look at it this does. very objectively, Mark. Does it? It does. It's
6: in there. Now, now, whether or not the beginning, middle, and the end relate to each other, well, that's another story. But there is a beginning, a middle, and an end.
5: OK, seems how you feel that there is actually a beginning, middle, and the end. Would you like to tell us what the plot of the hip hop, which is because I could tell you I had to sit the entire time we watched this with the group and write notes? I knew immediately if I didn't write notes, I wouldn't remember a single lick of a single fucking thing that would happen in this movie, because this is, <laughs> like I said before, not a movie. this is like if you would take one of those mtv reality tv shows from the late 90s early 2000s with breakneck camera moves and constant flash editing jumping between 15 million different things and shout outs going on this is like a hype video this is not a movie this is hey we got a bunch of people we know to say things in front of a camera Let's put a title on it and some beats behind it. That's what this movie is. So, Mark, if you could please tell them what the quote unquote, and I I am using the biggest air quotes I've ever used in my entire life, what the quote unquote plot is of the hip hop, witch.
6: Well, I hope I mean, I could put it in my own words, but I cannot do it justice to what's on the back of the DVD I purchased That was $7.99 total, and half of that was shipping.
5: Okay, well, let's do this. Let's have you mm -hmm. read this, and then you and I will discern whether or not that's actually what's in this movie, because I I have a feeling this is going to be bullshit. I I have a feeling this is all going to (laughs) be bullshit,
6: so please. I I, I hope that's where you wanted to go with this, so okay. (laughs) All right. A supernatural terror is attacking rap and hip-hop artists in New York. The Street Don, a notorious rap mogul, offers $10,000 for the capture of the Black Witch from the projects. An aspiring reporter convinces several well-known hip-hop artists to disclose their personal accounts with the Witch. Meanwhile... Five bored white kids from Farmingham, Massachusetts. Wait, wait, wait. Joel- it
5: says Farmingham?
6: Uh, oh, sorry. Framingham. Oh, I I, I'm like, like is that.
5: there really a place called no. Farmingham?
6: No, Framingham. Though Farmingham's probably more suitable.
5: It sounds <clears throat> much more white than Framingham. It I'll does, that. definitely. Wait, Mark, mm. stop. Mm. In Connecticut, there is, I'm looking at Google, there is a town called Farmingham. Oh, there you <laughs> Hold on, I'm checking this for sure. (laughs) Farmingham, Connecticut, there is a Wikipedia page. No, it's not Farmingham, it's Farmington. Oh,
6: Farmington Farmington
5: is a town in Hartford County in the Farmington Valley of Central Connecticut. Okay, so go ahead, continue.
6: Here we go. (coughs) Meanwhile, five bored white kids from Framingham, (laughs) Massachusetts (laughs) join in the witch hunt. but wind up just lost in the hood featuring mob deep ja rule and other of today's hottest hip hop artists.
5: Okay. So mob deep is in this movie. Yes. Yes. Ja rule is in this movie. Does it have a list of all the rappers on the back of that, that are in Uh, this movie? It's
6: it's got like six pictures of the two dozen rappers that show up in here. Uh, We've got prodigy pray ja rule killer priest, Rock and a raw digger. And then Eminem, who's on the front, but did not get top billing.
5: Which he should uh, because he's easily <laughs> the most prominently displayed actor in this he a, is. quote unquote oh, actor well, in this entire movie. We, we, in this entire got, quote unquote
6: movie. We got we got uh some taglines on the front of okay. this, which actually the DVD excuse me if uh pardon for my burping. Uh if uh, uh you get this DVD. It actually is solid. I did a little unwrapping because it looks a lot better than the movie. That doesn't take much. <laughs> no, <laughs> someone or something is attacking hip-hop artists in New York. One year later, their stories are found, which is good to tell you on this. <laughs> because
5: because <laughs> <laughs> their stories are found. This is not a found footage movie. Sure. Okay, continue. Sure.
6: No, that's all it says on the front of it. Oh, um, my God. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, but there's special features on this DVD. Okay. It's what are from, those? This, Now, this is from 2003. The movie was from 2000. So yeah. Artisan, it took them three years to get Artisan to go, yeah, fine. Here's 500 copies. Um, here are the special features. Full screen version, 2.0 digital stereo, interactive menus, scene access, digitally mastered optional spanish subtitles
5: oh my god you remember that one time mark we were watching that one poltergeist movie where i turned on the brazilian soundtrack and put on the subtitles (laughs) yes the only way i'd ever watched a hip-hop witch again is it in spanish but this is just (laughs) spanish subtitles
6: well, it makes me curious now because of that pirated version on uh, YouTube, which I'm sure the makers of this are tracking down so that they can shut it down. Cause I'm <laughs> sure it's cutting into their, their business. Yeah. 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 Um, um, uh, you know, you got um, the Italian version that's online. So, you know, if you are ever curious to watch it again, but with Italian dubbing,
5: ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet you that sounds wonderful. Now, <laughs> back to the plot synopsis that
6: you you said yeah. from the back. All those things are in it. They Although happen. the dollar the dollar amount is wrong. They say ten thousand dollars. It's ten million dollars.
5: Yeah, they're, yeah, they're so going for some major cash.
6: They didn't pr- pre you know they didn't proof this at all. I'm I'm disappointed. That they did not proof this Wait, because it's, it's $10 million. Are that you makes trying totally to
5: different. say, yeah. Are you trying to say, Mark, that they're trying to make this movie sound better?
6: No. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you trying to say they're trying to uh, punch this up a little bit.
6: No, no. That was their intention. They wrote up their intention. You see, that was written up in pre-production. You see. there are you sure there was pre-production sure (laughs) there had to be a little because they had to choose a couple locations you know (laughs) and like
5: like that room where the lady lives in it basically she she gets a job and it's basically the copy room at some office Mm -hmm. okay so before we get it we start really getting into this movie because there's a lot we can talk about there's an oh, awful there's a, lot we can there's,
6: talk there's a lot to unpack in this movie. There's too much to unpack in
5: this movie. As I said before, this is not your standard movie. This is more like a MTV mixtape where somebody, the first six minutes of this movie. Credit sequence. We, yeah. Credit <laughs> sequence that goes on for six minutes in which we see somebody with a camera from hip hop, which TV Filming random rappers talking about the the hip-hop witch or aka the black witch or hip-hop witch. Right. Many
6: different names. She goes by very many different names, just like Satan.
5: Um, so six first six minutes, we learn a lot about the hip-hop witch. Now, here is basically through the course of this movie, what I heard. The hip hop, which is and the final one is going to spoil things. So if you don't want the hip hop, which spoiled for you, you might not want to listen to this episode. <laughs> or maybe right now you might not want to listen to this cue the boarding house music. This is a warning. Thank you. Well, these are the things that I heard that the hip hop, which is one. Okay. Yeah. The hip-hop witch likes dicks. Yes. Two. The hip-hop witch steals raps. Yep. Three. The hip-hop witch fingers butts with green fingers. Yep. Four. The hip-hop witch talks trash on the street. Oh, yeah. Five. The hip-hop witch wants to fuck Ja Rule. <laughs> yes. Yes. Six. Six. The hip hop witch is a sasquatch.
6: Yep. Yep.
5: Seven. The hip hop witch, and we're told this repeatedly over and over and over and over and over and over again, has big titties that she likes to smack people with.
6: (laughs) Yep, she's thick. She is thick.
5: That is number number eight is the hip-hop witch is thick. (laughs) <laughs> number nine the hip-hop witch wears a trench coat with nothing underneath it
6: yeah folks this is the whole episode by the way i hope you weren't <laughs> expecting anything else because he's got a long way to go yet the hip-hop witch is a lot of things sorry did we interrupt go ahead.
5: this is true This is true. <laughs> uh, number <laughs> what are we on nine or ten, ten i don't even ten.
6: we're on Ten. ten. We're on ten.
5: The hip-hop witch writes satanic shit on Vanilla Ice's mirror. Yep. 11. The hip-hop witch makes your dick green.
6: There you go. And and the balls shrivel up tiny like those things that hang, you know, in the car. Yeah, like that.
5: Folks, we're still learning from the various victims what the hip-hop witch does. It. it this is still going on, so prepare yourself. Number 12. Hip hop, which that bitch is crazy. <laughs> yes, number thirteen. The <laughs> hip hop witch has twenty inch feet.
6: Yeah. Oh, it, is number fourteen the basketball fingers?
5: No, that could be number fourteen. So number fifteen, then the hip hop witch got a big ass. <laughs> number 15 the hip-hop which killed a guy named white boy
6: (laughs) that's that's different than the white kids that get lost in the hood by the way
5: not to be confused with the five white kids that uh (laughs) oh god i can't even It they're introduced they want to blackmail a record exec they get caught by a street gang, get stuck in a tree in the middle of, <laughs> of New York City or wherever the fuck they are. They pitch a tent and then they record stuff like the uh, the Blair Witch and get caught by the hip hop witch, which we can't reveal yet. We can't reveal. Don't, don't reveal.
6: We're still going. We're on number 15 only.
5: Yeah, we can't so. reveal. So that's one of the various plots of this movie. One mm-hmm. of the various plots, because there's another plot where this lady gets a job. She has a white guy grab her ass. She gets stuck in a copy room where she basically lives the rest of the fucking movie. And then gets demoted to do a shittier job. And then ends up (laughs) trying to infiltrate the third plot of this movie, which is where we're in a studio with a bunch of rappers that just talk shit. And then we find out that their boss, Lazarus, wants half, Eddie, wants half.
6: Because Lazarus was in a war with the Street Don, who is the number one rap mogul in New York. And so there's the Street Don and then there's Lazarus. And Lazarus wants to move in on the territory of the Street Don. So he... He uh, hires these guys who he wants half with to go out and take the Street Don. But then what it is, is you come to find out that Lazarus actually dropped the script for the Hip Hop Witch, and all the artists under the Lazarus label were talking about the Hip Hop Witch to distract people from the fact that he actually put a hit out successfully on the Don, the Street Don. And that was actually what was going on, unbeknownst to Lazarus. There is an actual hip hop witch going on that is out and actually slowly taking out hip hop artists.
2: Yep, <laughs>
5: That's all Derek has to say. Yep, that's so. That
6: was it. that was story number like five or something. Five or still,
5: six. Yeah. All, all the while, <laughs> we have the hip hop witch TV, which I told you about before on the case, and then the final story is about Eminem recounting an encounter with the hip-hop witch, which Eminem drinks hot butter with X in it, gets butt-raped by the witch. Then, all of a sudden, it turns on him and he starts to like it. Then he puts a finger in her ass. And then he wakes up out of the X days in a plane, supposedly beating his dick. Then he flashes right back to the X fever dream where he has his whole arm in the hip-hop witch's ass and then he breaks down crying in front of his buddies that you can't don't fuck with the hip-hop
6: witch yep that's the moral of the story
5: (laughs) if you haven't gotten the hint yet all of this is thrown together in a way that you will if it were for these notes, I would have no fucking idea what had happened because I would never remember the goddamn thing. All right. Back to the list of what the hip hop is. We got
6: we got we got more yet for the, what the hip hop, witch is because we're building it. And if anyone's an artist out there, I'm sure if you use this episode to draw the hip hop, witch, I would love to see it. Uh, I I could tell you
5: exactly what the rendering of the hip-hop witch would look like, because we know who the hip-hop witch is. Anyway, continued number 17 the hip-hop witch steals trucks Yeah, the hip-hop witch number 18 is a hood rat Mm -hmm.
6: who huffs
5: who huffs, yep number 19 has purple hair number 20 wants your ass mm. number 21 has many faces mm-hmm. number 22 she hatin number 23 growls like a tiger number 24 clocks people with a broom into people's teeth
6: oh that's because the broom she rides
5: yep it's a broom to hip-hop which is broom you know just picture a sasquatch with green fingers, <laughs> they have basketball fingers and a big ass, purple hair, 20, 20 inch feet, 20 inch feet, big tits, riding lots, a broom.
6: Lots of hair, like uh, the Stevie Wonder hair, according and to the story. She just wants to boy. fuck everybody.
5: She just, cause <laughs> yeah. all the rap artists talk about how much they she wants to fuck them. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. continued, number 25, the hip hop which breathes way too heavy. Like the hip hop, which needs to get on like an inhaler or something. Yeah, at least. And then I don't know if I want to give away number twenty six yet. Do we? Did you? Do you mention, we, well,
6: did you mention hairy nails? You missed the hairy nails.
5: Okay, so twenty six is hairy nails. Do you have? <laughs> do you have any? Did I miss anything before we get to the um, final reveal
6: of who uh-huh. the hip hop which
5: really is?
6: No, I I think you've covered all the bases. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, I think that that pretty much describes the hip hop, witch. yes, supposedly that's what
5: this, you know, through the course of this hour and a half long mixtape, we're told what the hip hop, witch is. Yes. Until we find out. That somebody hasn't been truthful to us mm. because the white kids that are stuck in the middle of. You know, probably a good five foot by seven foot patch of trees in New York City. Or maybe it wasn't supposed to be Central Park.
6: No, I no, they were just lost. I don't think they were supposed to be in Central Park. They were just in like between buildings or something. Yeah. And there's a tree. So they, there's a tree line. There was like five trees in some area they were shooting this. And that's where the kids decide because they're hiding from the gang who they tried to blackmail, which let me tell you, uh, just if you don't mind, Derek, just a little please. little side story of uh, a, a, a window into the movie man. Uh, I grew up on 38th and Galena in Milwaukee, which is is the inner city and even more so now and and i will say without a doubt that never would i have thought hey let's go to these gentlemen who are part of a gang and try to blackmail them because i would disappear so them thinking this was a great idea was just so unbelievable i couldn't quite get into their part of the story
5: I couldn't get into their part of the story the instant they were introduced into the movie. Oh my God. Yeah. They were, oh. They're introduced like the real world where we have this. Let's just say this. The only white people other than Eminem in this entire movie. Yeah. We're all of a sudden supposed to like posit that, oh, now the story's going to be about the most ridiculously stereotyped white people, late 90s white people. Oh my god. Just from the instant they came in, I was like, "Oh man, do we have to really do this? This is what's going to go on right now. We're going to sit and watch these." So they are the well, one, they're barely in the movie. Yeah. They put the like the the description on the back of the box as you had said, makes it sound like they are the center of the plot. They aren't. They're probably in the movie for all of 10 minutes. And uh, at the end, all of a sudden, they literally rip off the Blair Witch Project in the laziest way humanly possible. And then they start running because the lady that was investigating all of this, they, they she found out and she was the lady that was living in the copy room. That the white guy had grabbed her ass and she was this company she worked for supposed to be some media company. Was it like a newspaper? What the fuck was the? Was it hip hop, which TV? I never understood that.
6: Well, the hip hop, which TV was separate from this, the newspaper that she worked for, which had a couple different branches around town because they mention Josephine, her boss, who makes her the mailroom girl, mentions how she came from. How Didi came from another branch of their office and Didi wanted to get transferred because there's a whole bunch of uh, sexual harassment going on at the other branch. And so she decided to come to this branch because it was led by Josephine, not realizing that there was still a, a lecherous old white dude running it. Um, so there, there was that. So but that was separate from the hip hop TV uh, cutaways those were separate those were different than but they, but the they newspaper re- but i thought at some point they referred to hip-hop witch tv
5: or the they electric did, old they, white guy started talking about the hip-hop witch
6: right that the newspaper folks saw it on tv because the hip-hop witch tv is on broadcast tv in new york apparently um or on a cable channel like a cable access show or something and but everybody knows about it so this newspaper wants to get in on it. And Didi Dee Dee initially wants to do the story, but Josephine shuts her down and hires a different intern because Josephine just doesn't like Didi. Dee Dee. So Didi Dee Dee says no when Josephine uh, realizes the big boss who she's having an affair with actually wants them to cover the hip hop, which she goes back to Didi. Dee, Dee. Dee, Dee says, no, I don't have any leads. And they leave it at that. But Didi's Dee secretly running her own investigation. For the hip hop, which the motivation for that, I'm not sure whether it's to stick it to the newspaper or to get her 10 mil. I'm not sure, though she thinks it's a bunch of bub kiss as well, uh, because she starts asking the uh, one gentleman who works for Lazarus uh, it, about uh, the street don and what actually happened. <sighs> See, there's actually there's actually some story in here, man. I don't know how you pay attention to any
5: of this. (laughs) This is this is very similar to our episode on uh, conversations (laughs) with an alien where this movie. There's just so much going on in it at all times. And scene to scene, shot to shot are completely separate and different things that you either are laser focused paying attention to this or you are somewhere else entirely, (laughs) and even with as strongly as I was attempting to make sense of this movie, and writing down notes, I could not for the life of me give a single fuck about a single thing that was going on in this fucking movie. (laughs) So, (laughs) as we said, this lady, was her name again? Do you remember? Dee Dee?
6: Dee Dee? Dee Dee. Dee Dee Washington.
5: Dee Dee Washington. She, uh, she starts dressing up and going undercover to attempt to infiltrate uh, the gang that supposedly has killed the Don and has made the white guy, uh, the white group kids disappear. Here, yeah. And uh, <laughs> the best scene of this entire movie, I think is that she dresses up as an Atlanta has little chim. Little this, chim. Uh, yeah. This, this rapper from Atlanta goes into the recording studio says, don't y'all wanna hear my rap? And they all look at her and go, Oh hell no.
6: <laughs> but she she warms up to the one guy, the leader guy, the the head of the studio, and her rap is horrible, as it's supposed to be, and the but she's all uh getting all up close and uh putting her moves on the producer who's in the studio. And everybody else thinks it's a bad idea. But eat. he's like he's all digging it. He kicks them all out for some a private uh, session and she starts, you know, grilling him a little bit and then he realizes who she actually is and then uh, kicks her to the curb. Ah, So the song
5: she sings is a song that will be etched into your brain for the rest of eternity. <laughs> Dad ain't your baby daddy. Dad ain't your baby daddy. Dad ain't your baby daddy. This goes on for five fucking minutes.
2: <laughs>
5: this is is the best scene of the movie folks
6: i don't know uh who is that the uh made men or whatever it is the one guy who said drive this motherfucker you swole head bastard <laughs> 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 there are some gems of some lines that they're doing obviously improv but some of them they're really like
2: yeah
5: <laughs> oh man so she gets kicked out She gets threatened by the gang, goes to try and find uh, the white kids and ends up in the clutches of the hip hop, witch. who is drum roll, please, Mark. Vanilla fucking ice is the hip hop witch.
6: Ice, ice, baby. Dun, 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 ch, dun, 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 ch, stop, collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Yeah. So him. This Something
5: comes out of nowhere. I mean, Vanilla Ice is here and there in the movie. And we, we yeah. get sides with him talking shit about the hip hop, witch and about, I you wanted know, to s- she I'm wants scared. to fuck him like she wants to fuck every single rapper that's in the game. So I I put this to you, Mark. Huh. Does that mean through this entire movie? Vanilla Ice was anger. He, he was fucking all these rappers and killing them afterward.
6: Well, they it, he ta- it takes many forms. And remember, he uh, the hip hop, which was uh, really obsessed with him. So I'm not sure if uh, she got at him before or after because he was getting he came back from uh, Vegas to New Jersey to get his tattoo and he was on his tour and so I'm wondering if she actually possessed Vanilla Ice, and that just happened to be uh, her final form or the current form when she he tracked down the um, uh, the reporter. I think she has various other. She either here. Here's what I think is actually what they're playing at, Derek. And uh, there's some new. Ones. Oh Jesus Christ! Please watch what you're about to
5: say, Mark. Please watch. Be, be very careful about what you're about to say right now. You're putting this out to the world. People will actually hear this come out of your mouth. So be very careful,
6: please.
2: I was trying so hard. Oh, hold on. Hold on.
6: Damn it! Okay, there. There's some. There's some nuance here. Bullshit. No, no, because you got the Lazarus storyline. And so what actually is going on is the hip hop, which is an urban legend mythology that these artists have made up to cover up the fact that uh, the street Don got a hit put on him. But what they don't know is the hip hop, which is actually real. Okay. So, All that description you have from them are them just blowing smoke. But underneath is the real hip hop, which who starts eating the rappers and takes possession of Vanilla Ice while he's in Jersey. And that's why he's there and goes all like, uh, you know, possessed at the very end of the film. So you see, it's kind of a parallel thing. They think it's a fake, but it's actually real. And the hip hop, which actually takes control of Vanilla Ice. And that's why we see him at the end. You see.
5: Uh, folks, you should pay extra money to Mark the <laughs> Movie Man for for actually paying attention to this movie and actually giving you this insight because <laughs> I don't know what it
6: says about me. I really don't.
5: <laughs> you lately in the last few months have been as laser sharp focused as I've ever seen you in all the years we've known each other, like going through these movies, maybe you and Mel house are just like on the level and you guys get these movies in a way. I absolutely fucking don't. Maybe it's I I'm going senile. Maybe, you know, there's an early onset of dementia happening for me where I like within 10 minutes, ADD has gone off the, the the fucking roller coaster with me and i can't pay attention to these fucking movies because this if if i gotta be honest because i don't really know what to really sit and talk about with this movie this movie is maddening to watch there's nothing to pay attention to if it were for all the huge group of people yucking on it the entire time that we had There's no way I would have made it through this movie on my own. No way. There's not a single second. I would have made it maybe through the opening credits and turned it promptly the fuck off.
6: No, this is, this is definitely one of those movies for sure. And we've mentioned this before. We mentioned it kind of with the conversations with an alien is this is one of those movies you could put on say at a party with a group leave on in the background if you want but people like sit down you know just chilling with their drink you know letting their food digest or whatever and you sit with a group and you watch it and you talk about how ridiculous this is if you look at this this actually was way ahead of its time in a certain sense because watch
5: what you're about to say here mark you're putting something out into the world again you're doing this again I
6: i know i'm doing it i'm doing it gonna do it a lot tonight no what i'm saying is If this was released, like within the last couple years, it would not have been in a movie form. This would have been done on a YouTube channel in a series of short web clips or whatever. They would have done a whole series like the Hip Hop Witch TV. They would have did it like a web series, like these short clips. Whoever knows these rappers say it would be today's artists. So that's what I mean is it's ahead of its time. The the concept, I see what they're kind of going for. It's just that it does not work in the movie medium. But if you had the Internet today back then when they came up with this, you would have a YouTube channel with all of these famous big named hip hop artists in little clips that you could digest easily that have kind of a theme running that you could watch at any time on demand and go, Oh, cool. I like this act. You know, I like this performer. I want to watch them, you know? Um, and that's where it's more fitting. It's just the, the, the way it is put together cause it was made in 2000. Um, yeah, it does. It is an MTV and it's no surprise. The director of this did many music videos cause it, it's, it's just in that format. It's yeah. just in this, this hyper narrative, loose, improv the director or whoever the producer is well vanilla ice helped produce it but it's made by at least a group of hip-hop artists or someone who knows them all either through like roadie shows or whatever you know supported them uh you know maybe it was a, a recording guy a producer whatever he's got connections to all these guys and figured he'd put it all together and clip so what i think happened is off screen he would offer many of the artists some uh joints and said these are free if uh, you talk about the hip-hop witch and they go who's that i like just freestyle it and so they roll with it so some of these hip-hop artists Roll with it, really well. I'm, I'm sorry. I I know about the Eminem and how we cut back to him, but he had me rolling, and it was just the way it was edited. Because you'd get these scenes, and you just come back, and he's still telling this long ass story. The whole
5: fucking movie, <laughs> this guy's talking same scene. Now, did you know? Supposedly, the reason why this got stuck on the shelf for so long is that Eminem's lawyers attempted to have all of his scenes removed from the movie
6: well i could i could kind of see why because of they're always worried about his image i think actually the way he delivers it is some of the best so the best delivery because i'm like this is totally that guy at the party telling a story <laughs> he just
5: oh my god it just it, everything this it, the thing about this is making a movie where you have multiple stories that intertwine and intersect toward the end. Okay. That's not bad. The bad thing about this movie is, is that over half of it is just improv people. Like if you were to take your camera and just film your buds and say, Hey, talk about this. Don't give them any preamble, Don't talk. And it just becomes rambling. Half of this movie are people rambling about nothing about absolutely fuck How many times did we hear don't fuck with the hip hop witch
6: Oh yeah the the witch bitch the witch bitch don't mess with the witch bitch
5: How many different people had fingers shoved up their asses by the hip hop witch <laughs> At least at least 8 <laughs> at least 8 How many times
6: did we hear about the hip hop witch's big ass titties <laughs> Well, especially when you get the one edit, which pretty much edits uh, like five or six different people mentioning it, it and describing it in various ways, um, which I will say, if if they did like we think they did, no prompting the fact that these artists came up with similar descriptions just by saying the hip hop, which I actually find kind of fascinating. <laughs> I
5: have a feeling after a little while. I mean, I could be wrong. They They probably fed them a little bit.
6: Oh, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they probably did, because there was a little too much similarity for it to be completely improv. Although, you know, for those who couldn't maybe come up with anything, which and that's the thing is, I'm looking at this and I'm going, there is potential there, especially for when it came out. But it needed someone who. Who could actually do just a film and come up with just very short lines or something for these artists, because these are big named artists. These are folks who are this. You've got a very talented group of individuals in this film that that show up on on front of camera. And the fact that you couldn't give them a little structure is actually a, a waste of the talent that you actually have. On camera. Um, this y- you movie know what feels I mean? like a, a cash grab. That's what oh,
5: yeah. this movie feels like. Is well, yeah. so, Somebody said, hey, Blair Witch just got hot because the Blair Witch got hot in 1999. This was filmed yeah. in the year 2000. It was sit obviously because of legal reasons, sat on the shelf for so long. But it was somebody literally like, hey, let's do a, a joke version of the Blair Witch. And let's we know all these rappers. Let's just sit and shoot. And we'll build. A story kind of like the beginning part of the Blair Witch where everyone's telling the folklore and the, the history of the hip hop, witch, and we'll just make it up. I think the strongest part of this movie is the editing of this movie, the way mm-hmm. that it's the sound is is layered into this movie, the way they take all of this, which obviously had to be a
6: nightmare putting oh, this to thing add, together to edit, to try to come up with some kind of narrative. Oh, that had to be a feat in itself. The vast majority of this movie is
5: just nonsense. There's no production value in this. There are no special effects. There is just people had a camera and just made people talk in front of it. The only structure was they probably are like after they filmed all these rappers, probably like, okay, we have these people for three days. Let's shoot these certain scenes. Oh, we have these people for certain days, let's three and then edit together and make some sort of story out of it.
6: I, I do have to correct you, Derek. You said days, like plural. I think they—it was hours. That <laughs> probably you're probably a hundred percent right on this. Because, in all honesty, looking at this, some of the scenes they shot it—you know—in in good production value, they shot everybody's scenes at once, which wasn't hard to do. But looking at this, they couldn't have shot this more than maybe, uh, you know. I think that probably the most time it probably took was them going to whatever backstage concerts or whatever to catch these artists to do the the sound bites for the hip hop, witch description itself. Yeah. Yep. I imagine that took the longest time because the actual story part they probably shot in a weekend. If, um, if that the
5: Eminem section. That literally was like probably 15 minutes they probably just sat down said hey we're making this silly movie called the hip-hop Witch. do you want to make up a story about the hip-hop Witch, and we'll film it just improv the motherfucker and he just sat there obviously was drinking there were beers everywhere (laughs) and just came they just filmed him make up shit and it took they cut it so that it took up the entire movie
6: yeah And, and that's the thing though I his cuts to him made me laugh. I I think like you said, it's the editing, whoever edited this together, I hope any type of profit, they gave it to him because or her, whoever put it together because, um, they really had to have a daunting task, but the way they cut scenes, like the Eminem, who would just pop out of nowhere, and he's keep he keeps going, and you find humor in the fact that this guy's just telling, out of all these artists, the longest hip hop witch story, oh my uh, god, you know, or the other one, uh, the other clip, which had the entire chat into it, which was they had the street Don in there with some footage, and he's like, what was it uh. Fuck the white kids. Fuck the cops. Fuck. And then they freeze frame to the date, you know, the memorial date. And suddenly you cut to him being, you know, he was, they found his body in the river. It was just the way it was cut. It was like, that was kind of humorous. So whoever edited this had that daunting task. And I think that well, because this could have been even more, of a st- unstructured mess but they managed to piece something together that has a theme at least.
5: Oh well. Uh, we got to yeah. give credit where credits due that this was edited by Namakula. She mm-hmm. is a New York City based artist originally from Uganda and oh, cool. she has actually continued on as an actress. Quite a beautiful woman and I have to give all of the credit in the world of anything that is even remotely watchable into hip-hop which to Nabakula because holy shit <laughs> so this last week I was watching we were just randomly picking stuff on 2 b TV and there was a lot of really horrible horrible <laughs> terrible no thought productions that are getting <laughs> distribution i mean like no barely an assemblage of post-production done on them the barest minimum editing the barest minimum uh, audio and sound design or audio correction what what is color correction we don't know what that fucking is we don't know what audio mastering is so this stuff shot to shot scene to scene is is a fucking train wreck this movie Never graded on my ears, never graded on my eyes, other than the fact that the camera's swishing all over the place. It didn't make my head hurt because of weird editorial decisions. It made my head hurt because it just, it's nonsense. It just, Mm -hmm. it's just a made up movie. I know all movies are made up, but this literally is just, whoever gave her this footage is like, please make something out of this. (laughs) Please make something out of this Because it's just nonsense And I gotta say If it weren't for her skill Editing this would have been nothing Yeah Can you imagine just some jackass Putting this thing together No it wouldn't have even been watchable
6: Yeah she She really did well With putting something together From nothing which You know basically somebody You know and it could have even spawned from someone who knows uh, these rap artists, who thought it would be funny every time they met the rap artist yep. to just ask them the question of a hip hop witch. Yep. Okay. You know, not even a movie, not even kind. Con- they just thought, it, you know, it's their gimmick. Yeah. You know, it, which they mentioned gimmicks in here, by the way. Yeah, they did. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, You know, that could have just been a gimmick that they do for artists that they get to meet, you know, just to see what they say. And then they end up having enough of this going, oh, wow, I should do something with this. And then they piece together some other scenes in there, you know, uh, for it. it. I mean, that's that's what may have happened with this as well. That's the way I could see this possibly coming together. But her editing skills, you actually have a very loose and, and and we mentioned it. You're right. The production, the way it's balanced, the audio is balanced. You don't have like the music really loud or, you know, the audio. You can actually at least understand uh, the the folks where you, in a production like this a lot of times now you don't. So, yeah, all all the credits got to go to her because what she put together gives you a some semblance of something of of what could be even you know, a whole mess, just a pile of nothing. <laughs> you've got you've got something here. Uh, if you aren't getting the impression we're giving folks is that, yeah, it's it's not the direction. It's not because there was no real direction or anything. Uh, it was how they pieced this together was impressive.
5: But having said that, there's no way in the world I would recommend this to a single person on the face of the planet outside <laughs> of the situation we are in. I think if you have a group of people and you're a troll and you want to put this on or you're all wasted and you want to put this on for a few laughs, there are a lot of laughs to have with other people trying to understand what the fuck the the hip hop, witch is. But I would never, ever, 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 (laughs) ever, ever watch this alone. I wouldn't recommend anyone ever 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 ever, ever ever, ever ever,
6: ever watch this alone. Mark w- your thoughts. I, I have to agree. I can't I would not say no, avoid and don't watch it because especially if you if you're a fan of some old school hip hop or a, a turn I guess you could say turn of the century hip hop of sorts, you enjoy watching it to play who is that name game with how many artists they have in here. But that said, do not—I agree with you, Derek. There, do not see it alone. Do you've got to watch this? And this is a group watch film because you need to bounce off ideas off one another. You need to have the yucks together and share the silly questions. The wait, what? Uh, because that'll spark some fun times. The movie itself, yeah, it is what it is. Like you said, cash grab. And it's not something, no, don't watch it by yourself. Watch it in a group. Uh, but I would say it is watchable compared to many other films I've seen that actually got distribution that are out there. It, it is at least somewhat watchable. There, There's stuff to be seen here.
5: This was during a time where a film like this, if you knew the right people, could get distribution in Hollywood video, could get distribution in Blockbuster, could get mass Distribution by the right people. I mean, this is no hip hop locos. <laughs> I mean, this is, you actually can tell what's going on in this movie, unlike hip hop locos, which is like a black screen where people are talking for an hour. <laughs> so, I mean, if it weren't for that period of our history where artisan entertainment was trying to pick up anything it could to try and make a name for itself on the direct to video scene the, who this probably wouldn't have gone anywhere. This would have been yeah. like neighborhoods or other shot on video things where it's just a regional movie that would have been left into obscurity. But I mean, with all these rappers, which I'm sure was a huge impetus behind putting this together is that you all oh, look, we can put Eminem on the cover. Look, look, We can put Ja Rule on the cover. Oh, look, we can put Mob Deep, Vitamin C on the cover. We can put all these people on the cover. That's how you sell a movie. That's exploitation filmmaking, baby. That's the only reason. Yeah, it's the only reason this exists. It's literally the only reason this exists. So, uh, I mean, if you want to troll somebody, sure. I wouldn't even. This is not a so bad. It's good movie. It's not. It's not a fucking movie so don't don't watch this movie it's terror it's terrible terrible it's fucking awful oh any last words mark uh <laughs> well i i don't i didn't uh, that was, that was it. a lot more ominous than i intended it to sound oh no,
6: that's quite all right uh you know i i i i found entertainment in it it's you're right it's barely a movie um but i i think if you watch it with a group you're fine alone no it's terrible you know it's one of those you can put in the background you don't have to focus on it and uh yeah i actually kind of wish this would have came out today because you would have got the youtube channel you would just had the clips you wouldn't have to sit and watch it as the full narrative you could just get these clips and uh watch it like that as a web series (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> so now that you own this on DVD and you were so anxious, I mean, we couldn't find it anywhere to stream. Your lovely wife, Jill, went and bought this, picked it up. It got sent to you. Are you going to watch all the the special features on this? disc?
6: <laughs> well, it is the it's an early uh, 2000 DVD. So there's really not any special features when you, your big hype is the 2.0 digital stereo and interactive menus. Um, I don't even think they promote that on discs nowadays as interactive menus. So I'm, you- I'm disappointed with it being a 2000 DVD. There isn't an alternate angle in here. <laughs>
5: because- you remember when that was a thing?
6: <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I'm sure Scotty D remembers uh, certain types of movies that took advantage of the alternate angle mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, I remember what alternate angle was. That was the big deal. You Oh shit, the alternate angle, you know, I want to watch a movie uh like uh, Indiana Jones and then hit alternate angle, well it wasn't Indiana Jones but hit alternate angle so I could see the uh, green screen version of the behind the scenes footage of the ex, <laughs> of the exact same scene, you know, because I don't want to see all the special effects. I want to see the camera equipment and shit. Exactly, and you hit, right? Uh, you hit alternate angle, um, you know. I wonder <laughs> if
5: I even have any of those discs. I'm sure I have one of those discs oh, somewhere here.
6: Uh, well, I mean, it goes it goes right along with with this. I'll I'll show you this. I'm I'm uh, this is from. Well, this is from 94, but it's strip poker with with digital video, like, pre-recorded lady.
5: <laughs> Mark, why do you yeah. have that in your pos- possession? Please tell my listeners why you have the interactive CD-ROM <laughs>
6: Pandora, of strip Pan- poker. It's Pandora's Poker Palace, uh, the interactive game from... Atlantia, more than her hand is revealed. Um, (laughs) 94, I was in college. And I can't throw anything away. So I found this buried right next to my copy of Space Bunnies Must Die and Wing Commander Prophecy. So, oh, my God, uh,
5: that's funny. Does (laughs) is Jill aware of strip poker, the CDI game?
6: Oh, yeah, no, this was this was in my stack for quite some time. I just happened to find it because I was cleaning some boxes out in the back. And I'm like, what's this? I'm like, oh, some old games. And yeah,
5: have the honorable sons found this game.
6: No, no. They even if they did, they'd be like, "What the fuck, Dad?
5: This is gross, Dad. This is like (laughs) finding your box of Playboys (laughs) underneath the bed in the or in the garage in a box."
6: Yeah, it's like what the hell. But it's just like you know, like a lot of the the games where they were doing the the video clips. Yeah, and and now we've shifted drifted off ca- uh, off topic but to full motion videos where you'd click something that all of a sudden it would play an actual video um wing commander i mentioned wing commander prophecy uh pardon my geek for showing but wing commander 3 was huge because they had a two million dollar budget they had uh john rays davies they had mark hamill they went from going animated avatars and animated like like regular digitally artist rendered cut scenes to full video on set production cutscenes
2: mm-hmm. during
6: the game. Yep. And it was actually impressive. I mean, it was cool. I mean, you saw it. It's like, you know, uh, that's why I say that some of the generation I think now is a little uh, take for granted because when we saw that shit, holy cow, it was like, damn, they spent too many, you know, they got sets, they got actors. It's like, you know, before that, we had nothing but the little colored, you know, 32 color drawings of people and now suddenly you have your favorite artists in your game doing cutscenes. it was like holy cat and once that took off and that uh, you saw that everywhere people were doing the digital capturing but it was pretty
5: short-lived there was a very short window there are still people that are doing if you go on steam there are still full motion video games out there I, i i see them and some of them are quite interesting actually Mm -hmm. what they're attempting to do with it but i went a few months back and i don't remember if we had actually talked about this or not on another episode but i had played a bunch of the full motion video horror games well like phantasmagoria yeah both of them Mm -hmm. i played through both phantasmagoria games and i also played through the seventh guest oh nice so I was going through. I was buying a bunch of these. I almost bought Gabriel Knight three. I almost bought. I was. I was just like I wanted to try all this shit because I. I love those games. There's something really charming about them because they have. It, it comes from a, a time where, um, the the 90s where genre work had a very specific flavor, and mm-hmm. especially the early Uh, because they didn't know how far they could push content with video games some of the stuff ranges from very innocent where I think the majority of phantasmagoria is very innocent outside of one particularly weird rape scene that all of a sudden happens yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah to phantasmagoria 2 where there's an, a whole bondage SM club and it all sorts of other shit so there's just like it was like the wild west so that's that would be a real i almost thought and i didn't know if anybody else would even join me on this about doing an episode on the full motion video horror games because i had Ooh. i was i was just devouring them
6: Well, I mean, it it was a weird time for video games because, I mean, uh, what Mortal Kombat, uh, I mean, that was was late 80s, but still Mortal Kombat had the first video capture, which was uh, why it was one of the big things. It was uh, not just animated. I remember that because uh, actors, they actually did video capturing. And so, yeah, it came out 92. So the mid 90s, the video capture, especially Mortal Kombat, they showed what you did. But it was really weird because you had a generation by that time, my generation, your generation, us, who grew up in the 80s with video games. So you could get away with Pac-Man and Qbert and all of these, which are just phenomenal games. Don't get me wrong, but kind of safe kid games now that audience has kind of grown up. And so the video game industry still feeling its way around, like you said, wasn't quite sure what would sell mature content. wise <laughs> that wasn't full on, you know, adult. And yeah, so the horror stuff, there's some really wild stuff that came out during the nineties and not just uh, horror sci-fi, you know, genre stuff. They, they were trying to, find their footing because they weren't quite sure well what are these older video game players gonna want now are they gonna keep wanting to play you know super mario brothers which nintendo realized they were like yeah i mean look at now you know people you know i mean people fault you know nintendo say no it's not for gamers or whatnot i'm like they've managed to take the same properties from the 80s in 2020, and still make them profitable. Mario, uh, Metroid, Zelda, Donkey Kong. You know, I mean, these are the ones that started it, and they're still they're they're making money on them, so they're doing something right. Um, but yeah, the 90s was weird. You get more indie, you got more indie developers because by the mid 90s or so, you got people learning, wanting to learn how to make video games. So you got a lot of indie stuff out there. And, yeah, the the video capture was short-lived because then video cards took off and computers, as we all know, technology, and I'm sure people are loving us geeking out about this, technology advances exponentially. So it didn't take long for the computers and stuff and the consoles to go past video capture and be able to do 3D full-on rendered environments where you didn't need to do video capture anymore. Right, right. You, you know, you could just do full animated 3D uh, arenas and such. So why do the video capture? So, yeah, it was short lived, but it was it was interesting, the stuff they did. Remember the 3D hologram video game that used to make the festival circuit every so often? It was a Western yep. a cowboy going through uh, time and you had to pay like your mortgage and quarters to play it. But <laughs> uh, it was, it was 3d hologram. It is actually pretty cool. Uh, they had three objects in there. So your brain would have some depth perception of, of the, the, the thing standing up, but you had stuff like that, you know, they were really trying to find their way with stuff and, and also TV as well. I mean, this is, we mentioned MTV and, and, you know, the style that, uh, the hip hop, which was made in, but that was the style of TV that MTV had branded itself. After it gave up on music videos, it started doing the reality TV show stuff, which you still see the formula today that they did from back in real world when they were first doing that stuff. Yep. You know, I, I mean the nineties where we talk about eighties is kind of the golden age where there's a second golden age where there's just memorable movies. People talk about in video games. Nineties was just that odd decade of things trying to figure it out. Internet was taken off faster than most people could handle. Um, They didn't know what exactly to do with it. (laughs) And yeah, man, and then you got stuff like this, you know, I mean, and yeah, well, the video, you know, DVDs were still big. So, you know, CDs were then the big cassettes went away. You could put do more with CDs and then you had computers that could play cds so you go away from the floppy you know thinking back on it it was just wild it really didn't have a huge identity because so much stuff was getting developed and bringing out brand new that that it was like wow you know every time every like every month something else different was coming out i remember that especially in the mid 90s in college it was like holy crap look at this oh look at this oh look they're doing this right right well and
5: that's where i think a movie like what we watched tonight kind of falls into this. It's just people experimenting because they could the, the yeah. threshold for entry to make a, a film and get it distributed was so much more vast. Now it just mm-hmm. like you are, it was a lot more reasonable. I should say it's probably a better way to put it because uh, you could get these consumer grade digital cameras and actually film stuff that was watchable on them. Like they even showed in the movie itself, these weren't <laughs> DV tapes that they were shooting no, on. They were shooting digital. It
6: so was early. Yeah,
5: it was a weird time, but a lot of it we look back on now and is very antiquated and very uh, <laughs> tough to handle. Some of it works. Most of it doesn't work, but we got to where we are today because of it. Tonight's movie was one of those movies that I had seen on Hollywood video shelves for years and it looked so terrible. And plus, let's be honest—I just have never been an Eminem fan. I just can't stand that music at all. That I didn't—I didn't want to see this movie. Any uh, parting words? Anything you want to show, Mark? Any anything to my audience before we wrap this gimmick up?
6: well they've probably all heard it before but if they're curious i also have some things that i create occasionally specialmarkproductions.com for all your movie man needs our podcast is there link to the youtube channel uh i've got some more things besides just movie reviews popping up there
5: well folks go check that out and until next month mark
6: don't fuck with the hip hop witch! She got she got curly hair and green fingers and, and big a, ass titties. <laughs> and a big and she's thick and she gonna stick the finger up your butt and yeah.
1: <laughs> you are listening to Astro Radio Z.
5: Sometimes trashy,
0: sometimes classy, always raw and never flashy. Welcome to the massacre.
2: Ocean Picture Massacre, Ocean Picture
7: Massacre, Ocean Picture Massacre. Ocean hey folks, Juan here for another Pink Theater. This time we are tackling the sequel to Section Fury, Female Yakuza Tale, from the same year, 1973. <laughs>
0: も立つがろが
4: どこまで血を切れるか。楽しみさ。Estou pegando O さん
0: o o o
7: So this film is yet again re-teaming of Taro Ishii, the director who also co-wrote the screenplay for this and Ariko Ke- Aika, coming back as the same character of, I'm going to fuck this up Ayoko Ino Asuka right First film was pretty much a revenge film where she is getting the upper hand on the man who the men who killed her father In this film the gambling aspect of the first one was pulled out there's a little bit of gambling but it's not as huge as it is in the first film. And we are pretty much with her. Um, It's like this Lady Snowblood as well, Um, and a bunch of other films that are kind of in this genre, Um, Chambara and our Pinky films, where they told the whole story that they wanted to tell in the first film, and they had a contractual obligation to two films. So we kind of give her a, a whole different new kind of outlook here. The great thing about this film is it starts off like right on the ball. It just starts right from the bang with our lead fighting a bunch of Yakuza, you know, wheeling wheeling, dealing, getting totally naked, slicing and dicing in the rain. It's a beautiful fucking scene. And it just kind of goes from there. And, you know, she gets into this this new town. She finds out that there are gangsters like usual in every fucking town. But these gangsters are now using women to smuggle drugs in and out of the area for a bigger racket. She gets accosted, kidnapped, and fist fucked to find out that she doesn't have any drugs on her. The guys drop her on, her with with on uh, the body of a, a young prostitute who's been stabbed to death in the crotch, kind of getting her to be blamed for the murders. You meet a whole bunch of characters in and out. You get a, a little bit of backstory of our main character. When she was younger, this Yakuza boss kind of stood up for her and lost a finger in the process. And she feels that she has an ode to this boss's gang after the boss has died. And there's some cheating happening. There's a whole bunch of sex going on. It's violent, weird, and silly, and candy-colored, like a lot of these films are. And it ends with a fantastic, a herd of naked women fighting a shitload of Yakuza. (laughs) With grenades and knives and guns. It's wonderful. And the film actually ends with the possibility that maybe they could make more. And maybe there wasn't a possibility, you know, if the films did well enough in the theater, that they would come back, but there was no other films made with this character the actress who played continued to continue work and then you know also our director would continue to work whatever but it's just kind of sad that the the character never got uh, a third film I would have loved to seen a whole like, like a Zatoichi type of thing where it's 26 fucking films of different storylines and I, I probably would get old quickly and especially the fact that there was a lot of films being made at the time like the girl boss guerrilla films and whatnot um, that are very similar to this story and this just it's bonkers <laughs> You know, the fact that like the girls kind of like agree to like doing this and it seems like the only time the girls get killed is if they're not particularly wanting to do this. <laughs> so they the drugs get smuggled in and they get murdered. Um, you know, some plot holes kind of completely just go apeshit and weird. Um and the most stories about our main character and her trying to figure out what's going on and trying to stop it as best she can. Um and she does it in the most violent way possible. Like I said, a lot of tits. A lot of that kind of Japanese, we can't show the crotch area, kind of screwy ball, kind of sh- shooting style. I enjoyed the hell out of this film. I liked it much more than Sex and Fury. Um, I think Sex and Fury, because the whole Christina Lindbergh gimmick that was in that film, and it really wasn't about um, the Ochi character. It was kind of about these two characters, um, and it kind of, the whole kind of like melodrama with the Lindbergh character and the, the uh, assassin kind of just kind of, I don't know took the piss out of the film. And this film just kind of just throws all that out. There's no set. There's no like romantic partnership with our main character. You know, there are men in there who are on her side, but they're not wanting to get, they're more worried about her pussy getting cold. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tagline that the, our main male character uh, says a couple times, (laughs) even says it as like the last line in the film. (laughs) It's silly. It's goofy. Um, There was a DVD release of this a while ago, and I think it's on the Internet Archive actually. Um, If you look it up, "Female Yakuza Tale," but it's definitely worth checking out. Why not? If you like this, come check out MotionPictureMaster.WordPress.com for more stupid shit in my dumbass voice before I shit myself. Goodbye.
2: Hey Godzilla, it's over. You must forgive. Damn Lizard! Well, I first saw
1: we're listening to Astro Radio Z.
3: Oh. <laughs> Hi. I'm Angelique. And there's nothing better at the end of a long day than a hot bath and a good book. Now I'm not talking your highfalutin literature like your your Jane Eyre or your Wuthering Heights. I'm talking candy bars for your brain. The kind of books you'll find gathering dust at the Bilo or your local used bookstore. Books about monsters, ghosts, demons, werewolves, draculas, killers, surgical abominations, Or just about any other horror you can dream up. So, plug the drain, grab you a book, and come soak with me in the tub of terror. Welcome back to the tub of terror. It's me, Angelique, and I am trying to soak away this terrible, awful heat. The only reprieve you get in this kind of yucky, icky, hurricane, humid, hot, wet towel slapping you in the face. As soon as you walk out the door, you have makeup on, it melts instantly. If you did anything with your hair, just freaking forget it. Cause you're done. So I just choose to hide away from the heat in my tub with my bubbles and my books. <laughs> so what are we reading today? We are reading Save the Last Dance for Me by Judy Miller. Uh, we've read some Judy Miller in the past here in the tub and she's a fantastic writer. This book, however, is wackadoo. I mean complete bananas. If you take Psycho, mix it with Flowers in the Attic, a splash of Lethal Weapon, and then just a whole bunch of ineptitude on both a medical and police standpoint, you'll get Save the Last Dance for me. So, is Save the Last Dance for me just ducky, or is it a total bath bomb? Oh, (laughs) y'all. I really don't want to spoil you, but I might. So, be warned, but you'll probably forget everything that I say about this book if you do choose to go pick it up, which I highly recommend. Save the Last Dance for me. The ballet killer is loose, and he is killing and butchering ballerinas all over Washington, D.C. He is leaving their toe shoes on and leaving them displayed on the national, what's it called, the national lawn? The reflecting pool. Yeah, just famous monuments hacked up ballerina bodies. That's, That's the first thing you need to know. So... Ballerina Killer has some issues that are horribly detailed <laughs> in vignettes. Uh, in this book, it, it bounces back and forth. You get flashbacks from the killer, present day from the killer, and then you get the current goings-on at, what's his name, uh, Zolinsky's or Zatarain's, I don't know, some Russian Z name. It's very, there's a lot of Russian characters and a lot of Russian dialect. In the book and I hate that. I hate reading badly written dialect. You know, give me Irvin Welsh writing Scottish dialect all day long, but people who don't speak Russian trying to put Russian cadence and use, you know, simple Russian words like da and dasvidanya, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> And this book is full of it. So you've got this famous Russian ballet company and you have the prima ballerina, Jennifer, who is engaged to a doctor and he can give her everything she wants except the dance. And so she's kind of conflicted. Does she want to stay with this dude? Does she want to meet his parents or does she want to be prima ballerina Numero uno, el nacho grande. She wants that. So they get in a huge fight because she doesn't want to meet his parents or she doesn't have time because they're rehearsing for the big, you know, la-di-da, Grapey Pond dance. But there's also a curfew for ballerinas because, hey, y'all, the ballerina killer's still out here. <laughs> it, it's a toss-up. Do we want our ballerinas to train and practice and dance 800 hours a day, you know, leaving the the ballet theater unaccompanied and leave them at the mercy of the ballerina killer or the ballet killer. Or, you know, how about we just keep everybody safe and let's not have a ballet until they catch this dude? You know, speaking of catching this dude, the police are abysmal, they suck. (laughs) You got the, oh, and there's a, we have a visitor in the tub that was Gidget. She's telling you what she thought about the book. Anyway, the police are fighting one amongst another. They worry that the killer could be getting inside information. There's a chase. There's just, uh, it's rough when they try to get into the police procedural part. I did mention uh, Psycho. So the ballet killer has big-time mommy problems. Uh, Kind of a Norman Bates-ish sort of situation. He loves Mother, uh, but Mother treated him super bad, made him dress up in uh, girls' ballerina costumes and dance, and then they also throw in some really just hideous and gross sexual abuse that turns the ballet killer into the ballet killer. But there's a twist. Um, The matricide doesn't happen until the end of the book. (laughs) Uh, There's a whole subplot with the killer once we find out who he is, because uh, he, of course, murders Jennifer's across-the-hall friend who likes to go out and... We'll use air quotes and say dance with strange men a lot. They make a big point of that. But then, of course, oh, the ballet killer's out, but I'm still going to go out. Idiots. (laughs) But, yeah, so Jennifer's on her high horse about wanting to be the prima ballerina. And she gets suckered into having an affair with the pianist. And then she gets taken in and captured by the ballet killer who breaks his mother out of psych ward and brings her home. And they're basically making Jennifer dance and starving her in like a Buffalo Bill style basement. Oh, sounds for lambs. That's another little splash. You want to go in there. But basically this is a ballet disaster (laughs) (laughs) And it it, when was this one written? Let me pull the data because I've got the book here. Don't drop it in the water. This one was written or published rather 1981. So it's about that time that it hits this period in the 80s through the mid 90s of characters in books and movies being ballerinas like it's easy, and like it's you know truly attainable by a whole lot of people, which it is very much not. But anyway, the police finally figure out who the ballet killer is, but it's too late. They've already decided to go after their true target, the head of the ballet company. They're, they're going after Zelensky because it turns out that the ballerina or the ballet killer. They use the term interchangeably in the book. The ballet killer is actually Zelensky's illegitimate son. And his mom, Charlotte has been planning this whole revenge thing because Zelensky was a ladies man and slept with ballerinas in the company. Charlotte danced under Zelensky, got pregnant. Then she got booted out of the ballet company because she was pregnant. You can't dance when you're pregnant, apparently. Well, I don't know that I'm not a ballerina. I really wanted to be for a hot minute, but then I got traumatized. (laughs) Not from any horrible things, but my ballet class decided to turn into a gymnastics class, uh, one day and I don't like heights and they threw me up on the uneven bars and I wrapped around the thing like a sloth, and they had to take the bar down from the attachment to get me off of it. But that's a whole another story for another time. Anyway, so basically his whole thing was to get Charlotte on stage in the Prima Ballerina part. Then the ballet killer has some weird duality vision like, oh, who's this old, decrepit woman galumphing on the stage? That's not the beautiful ballerina that my mother is. She's stealing my mother's spotlight, and I'm going to shoot her. So he shoots her. Of course, it was his mother who wasn't in ballet shape. Neither am I. Well, again, I could try. I'm not coordinated enough, I'm just not graceful. <laughs> But then he's arrested and killed and it's convoluted. That's the the key word for this book is convoluted. But is it just Ducky or is it a total bath bomb? I'm going to say it's Ducky simply because it's a wild ride and there's a whole lot to wrap your brain around. Again, it's that whole thing about I can tolerate entertainment. I can tolerate good entertainment and bad entertainment if... The bad entertainment is coming from a really honest and heartfelt place, like so many of the movies that we all enjoy. I also enjoy those sort of books, and this book came from that place. You you could tell that Ms. Miller really wanted to make a chilling crime thriller, and she sort of accomplished that but I think it's Ducky, and I really think you should read it. I did not spoil uh, who the ballet killer is, just in case you wanted to go and find this book. It's available uh, at you can probably find it at a used bookstore, and I'm sure you can find it online. I lucked out and found it a little bit ago. Well, my water's getting chilly, and my fingers are all pruney, so... I'm going to drain my water here. And I hope that you'll come hang out in the tub with me again for our next episode. Same bath time, same bath channel.
5: So you're probably sitting there looking at the runtime of this episode and thinking to yourself, what the fuck could possibly happen for the next 40, 50 minutes? Well, seeing how we've already burned through the movie that we are going to discuss here on the podcast, I thought in true Astro Radio Z fashion, I'm going to start a new segment myself. This segment of the show is going to be called Tromas Hidden Gems. Mostly it comes about because of a vote that we had on Twitter for this episode. We actually put out a feeler on the Astro Radio Z Twitter, and you guys almost tied it up for the votes between what you wanted to hear as the next episode of Astro Radio Z, Blonde Death 1, but close behind was an episode on Troma Hidden Gems. Now, there are so many hidden gems in Troma's back catalog, and I hear you guys snickering stop it for real stop snickering if you are a true trash cinema fan you know that even though there are a lot of turds in Troma's library there are even more truly hidden gems locked away in that vault of just the the dumpster that is Troma's library and now that we have Troma now And I'm not just doing this because our movie Hole in the Wall is now featured on Troma Now, which you can, you know, subscribe $4.99 a month and get it on your Roku or Apple TV or whatever. You can actually watch Troma Now on your TV. Yeah, I'm doing a hard shill for Uncle Lloyd, but it's okay. He's got my movie on there. So I'm going to show a little bit. But because of this, it's so easily accessible now and the stuff looks great. You have the opportunity to literally peruse and look through this completely unbelievable (laughs) library of truly underground, snotty cinema, trash cinema at its finest. One of the few libraries of very unpretentious, go for broke, middle finger in the air kind of cinema. And if you've been a fan of Astro Radio Z, you know, that's what we're about here. We love this kind of stuff. And I've been a trauma fan ever since I was a kid. That first time I saw a Toxic Avenger sitting on that VHS shelf and it warmed my heart. I had to beg my dear old grandma to rent
2: it for me.
5: <laughs> I've been a trauma fan ever since. And because of this, Man, have I watched a lot of stuff, and I would like going forward, because I'm going to continue watching the stuff that they're putting out now on traumanow.com, I would like to go forward and do a segment every single episode that we do, where I sit and I give you guys a few movies that I think you should check out, because there are so many streaming services out there right now vying for your dollar that I think you should give Troma Now a chance. Through the short time that I've actually been subscribed and I've been watching it, I've really had a great time. Now, mind you, it's not always good. Obviously, you know that. Sometimes you're going to just stumble across horrible bullshit. But sometimes you stumble across stuff that is so punk- And it sideswipes you in such a way that it leaves you with like kind of like a whiplash smile on your face. That's the kind of stuff that kind of reinvigorates me for the underground. And I love that. And Troma now, out of all the services I've been subscribed to, and let's list them off. I mean, I only subscribe to Shudder when Joe Bob Briggs is around. Because even though he shows a bunch of movies that all of us that are true underground and horror, cult, and exploitation fans have, that have been around since the 90s, 80s, and 90s have all seen, his segments are completely worth the subscription alone. So I've done Shudder. It really, like, their catalog has some good stuff on it. Not really my taste, though. I like shitty movies way more than what, you know, Shudder has to offer me and i had peacock which is now the home for wwe and let's be honest wwe fucking blows now and peacock is basically the glorified office streaming <laughs> streaming channel so if you want to watch the office you got you got peacock i had hbo max now that dune's not going to be there well what's the fuck the point of me you know subscribing to that gimmick Literally next to nothing. I used to be a fan of Amazon Prime. Now Amazon Prime, they've been booting independent cinema, like low budge, like this truly snotty stuff that I like off there one by one. And they, it just does nothing for me anymore. I can find all that stuff on Plex now. Plex has slowly but surely been taking all of the rest of the streaming apps and leaving them in the dust. Plex and Tubi and in Troma Now, they, it's basically what I do for streaming. Obviously, you know, you got Disney Plus because you all you gotta watch those Marvel gimmicks. But that's basically what I got going on here. So today for this segment of Troma's Hidden Gems. I have a few movies I think you guys should definitely check out, and I'm not going to go super in-depth into any of these. I really think you guys, uh, the the colder you go into these movies, the better, because as with most trauma, you're not going to expect what's going to come thrown at you at any second with any of this shit. So, you know, buckle up and let's get ready. So here are some Trauma's Hidden Gems. for traumas and gems on this episode is a movie that if you walk up to any trauma table you're going to see and it's probably been there for a good 20-30 years. Fortress of America. Mm-hmm. Made in 1989, Fortress of America is a completely shitty 80s action movie, ripe with ridiculous acting, over-the-top dialogue, and just the most ludicrous, stupid, non-sequitur crap all over it. It's one of those movies where you toss it on, and if you're a fan of stuff like Deadly Prey, you'll find a home. Right away with Fortress of America. It lingers a little too long, but there are some genuine moments that are just ridiculously funny in Fortress of America. And it's something, it's a movie that I never see anyone talk about ever when they refer to trauma. And that's a damn shame because Fortress of America is one of those prime shitty 80s action movies that trauma had just been sitting on. And those of us that, you know, for some reason, feel the need and necessity to sit and watch everything they put out are so glad they took the time to check it out. So Fortress of America 100% is one of the hidden gems, I think, that are on their catalog, and it is streaming on Troma Now right now. Second movie I want to talk to you guys about today that I think you guys should go check out is <laughs> some fucking ridiculous sword and sandals gimmick called Wizard of the Demon Sword.
4: You know... This is getting to be a lot of trouble trying to find you seer, friend. i tell you what. Let's just go to the castle and we'll rescue your father ourselves.
2: And the blade?
4: We'll rescue that, too. Could be dangerous. I thrive on danger. I'm a warrior. When other men shriek in fear, I ride forward with my sword drawn and a mighty warrior's cry. That's right. Men fear the name of Thane, especially those who wrong the innocent. Ah, yes, woe be to the scoundrel who comes and reach my blade. Fie on the knave who crosses my path. Yes, woe, ten thousand scoundrels have been mine. Look! What? Do those scoundrels and knaves
2: include beasts such as that?
4: Yes, yes, of course. No fruit does any match for my sword.
5: Wizards of the Demon Sword, directed by Fred Olin Ray, of all people, has such a great pedigree of actors in it. You have Russ Tamblyn... You have Michael Berryman, and it's just your typical we're in the desert of California with some leather daddy outfits, some shitty swords, and somebody's got to rescue a princess. It's just stupidity turned up to the max, and one of those movies, again, that I never hear anyone talk about. The director of Swamphead, Justin Prop, I remember back in the day when we were putting that movie together, he showed me Wizards of the Demon Sword, and it's one of those really easy, breezy kind of, you know, sword and sandals, high fantasy Conan ripoff movies that you just toss on and time just melts away for a while you have a few laughs and it's over it's not very taxing on your brain and there's enough good looking girls and buff dudes have saying stupid shit and having shitty sword battles that you don't feel like you've wasted your time so definitely go check out wizards of the demon sword uh Next is a movie that a few years back Mark the Movie Man and I did this thing in our 31 days of horror challenge group called the Turkey Challenge where you had to pick 15 movies that were 2 stars and below and then we were going to do a podcast on the Patreon about it and we found this movie I don't know how I had it had passed me by but it did it was a movie called Dumpster oh. Baby <laughs>
4: A shot of Jack,
7: please. You
2: go. Hi. Hi. This weather really sucks. What? The weather.
4: Oh, yeah. No sauna.
5: Dumpster Baby, directed by James Bickart and Randy Hill, is one of those movies that obviously had seen Slacker at some point and decided to do a trauma version of Slacker in almost every single way. It's crass. It's gross. It's stupid. The people all are ridiculously over the top and do just the most trash things that they possibly can. But it is so bonkers and over the top that at no point did I feel the 1.2 star rating on imdb.com was warranted. Right now, I'm looking at it on imdb.com. It is at 2.7 stars. (laughs) While it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination... It was a complete what the fuck in the kind of way that movies like The Suckling are what the fuck. If you like that movie, you may like Dumpster Baby. If you like movies like Street Trash, you may like Dumpster Baby. It is one of the just crassest, most stupid, nonsensical, you know, middle finger kind of movies that I've ever seen. And Dumpster Baby is totally worth your time. Final movie I'm going to talk about on this episode segment of Troma's Hidden Gems is one of those movies that Full Moon has been putting out during the pandemic. You know, the what's up, Tiger Lily style. Let's take a movie that was shot and then overdub it with new dialogue. You know, something that Godfrey Ho did with, you know, most of Asian action cinema and made 300 some odd movies and just shot a bunch of white people acting like ninjas and overdubbed everything. Trauma dipped their hand into this way back in the day with a movie called Ferocious Female Freedom Fighters.
1: The women of the world have had enough. Enough abuse. Enough exploitation. Enough rape enough of being second class citizens there's a new class of women fighting for a new order and they've got to be seen to be believed the ferocious female freedom fighter
5: if you like the trauma style humor of a lot of farts you may get into ferocious female freedom fighters now if that isn't your kind of movie then don't even try to watch this one. You may find it really boring. It's essentially a kung fu movie made in the Philippines with a bunch of stupid white dudes saying really stupid white dude shit over the entire thing. I always laugh at this movie. I've seen it a number of times, and there are some genuinely funny parts to it. It's short, it's quick, it's silly and stupid, and there's some kung fu involved in it. So, to me, if you have nothing going on on a Saturday and you're with your bros and it's raining out, but you have some beers, let's watch Ferocious Female Freedom Fighters. I say that is a good way to spend an afternoon.
0: Hey, Denny, what? You just won the contest. What contest? The Wet T shirt Contest, motherfucker!
5: So that's it for this segment of Troma's Hidden Gems. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope I gave you some movies to go check out on the Troma Now streaming service. Obviously, other than our movie Hole in the Wall, which is on there, and Corey J. Udler's Incest Squad 1, 2, IDS Rising, Mediatrix, and Girl Who Played with the Dead. All of them are on the service right now. Here are some more things to watch when you're done watching our movies 15 times. So... Let's take a break, and next you're going to hear the wonderfully dulcet tones of Mr. Daniel Edenfield with a new episode of The Bottom Rack.
1: Hi, I'm Dan, and this is The Bottom Rack, bottom shelf entertainment for your top shelf lifestyle. Good to be back. (laughs) How are y'all? I don't even know why I asked. It's not like y'all could answer back. But anyway, but answer back. That's fine. Just go ahead, shout at it, scream at your phone or whatever, especially if you're in somewhere public. Just be like uh, right at your phone. That'll make for a good conversation starter. Anyway. <laughs> it has occurred to me that in my time dabbling on the bottom shelf, I have not covered what is quite possibly the greatest ninja movie. I know, bald statement, but I also feel like I need to cover this because this is my favorite ninja movie. As we all know, every now and then I have dalliances with certain themes or, you know, I'll just I'll fall down a rabbit hole and just revisit it. It is most notable as a few years ago was my Metal Gear. And uh, I just I fell into that whole ten minutes in the future Mill sim kind of thing and just ravenously ran through the series, and then I did it with Ninja Gaiden, and it just, you know, comes and goes in spurts. And recently, our dear host and friend Derek watched a certain movie, and he was like, "How have you seen this? And I was like, yeah, dude. And then I just realized that, you know what? I haven't even talked about it, and sadly, no one really talks about it. So anyway, this is Ninja Assassin.
0: abandoned by your parents without a home without people to care for you you should have died but instead you fought your entire life has brought you to this moment do not fail yourself do not fail your family now the time has come for you to prove You have made me proud, my son Ah! To never forget who you are You know about them. They won't stop until you're dead. Go now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I said it earlier. This might possibly be the coolest ninja movie ever. Um, yeah, maybe it's not greatest. We could figure out our S adjectives that we want to use. Certainly coolest. Maybe the greatest. It would depend on like your criteria or how you want to talk about it. I remember this bad boy came to the theater and it had some marketing money behind it, but not much. And maybe... a. Better deep dive when it's not on this episode. Uh, maybe we could deep dive into it, find out what happened, or you know why it did what it did. But regardless, I remember the trailer it was Ninja Assassin. I was like, holy crap! There's you know Ninja in the title of the film coming to America, and this was at a time, uh, if you recall, and I I don't know specific dates or anything. I just I remember the. The like the mosaic of my mind and my memory around the time is that it was a uh, legendary pictures and y- you know, you had it wasn't an Eastern invasion as such, but we had movies come out, most notably, Ang Bak, the protector. You know, the movie where the dude runs around and does like crotch to face to everyone like a hundred times in that film. He just runs. He's like, Aah! does his knees to their face, drops them on the ground and then. Cracks their neck. That movie. Uh, There were a couple movies that were coming out like that. I think Tartan Extreme might have been around the same time. So anyway, this was right about in there. I remember the marketing kind of sucked. It was enough to attract my attention, obviously, Uh, but on the whole, it just. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of market they were going for. What maybe a little bit better pursuit in that aspect might have worked. But regardless. Ninja Assassin. Well, let's crack this bad boy open. Let's go ahead. Uh, You know what? I'm going to give a trailer before I even comment on, well, we've heard the trailer, but I'm going to, you know, kind of, let's see if I can give the brief synopsis here before I start doing a critique, because we're going to want to see this. So I'm going to need to cue the music. Hey. Okay. <laughs> that, I mean, what better ninja mu- music than that? So, okay, we got the music. Let's go ahead and pull up a synopsis. <sighs> and here we go. Trained in methods of killing from an early age, Raizo is a member of the secret clan of assassins known as the Ozunu. After the Ozunu kill his friend, however, Rizo breaks free from them and vanishes. Meanwhile, Europol agent Mika Coretti discovers a money trail linking the group to murders. Rizo saves Mika from his former comrades and joins forces with her to bring down the Ozunu forever. That was pretty cool. That was from Google. I guarantee it's <laughs> probably better than what was on the uh, the, <laughs> the IMDb page. Yeah, here we go. A young ninja turns his back on the orphanage that raised him, leading to a confrontation with a fellow ninja from the clan. <laughs> I mean, but look, brevity is the soul of wit, so I, I won't <laughs> I won't rag on IMDb too hard. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Ninja Assassin. That's so eloquently written by the Google synopsis. That's about it. Uh, I'll get to the basic plot premise in a second. Let's go ahead and get our first impressions. Now, for those similar in age to me, uh, Carbon date myself back to I was born in 1980. So I grew up in the NES generation. It's about what I call it because I'm not quite Gen X, not quite millennial. You know, we're somewhere right in that little gray area so we had everything <laughs> we had all the good stuff ninjas ruled the playground you had movie. we all know our love for american ninja around here okay thank you ninja gaiden on the nes and so yeah you get ninja movies we have certain preconceptions certain things that we expect expectations if you will the ninja assassin cover sucks <laughs> Let's just go ahead and be out front and out in the open. I'm looking on IMDb, and I don't even see any additional cover art. The European artwork was probably better. It usually is. I don't know why the, the American artwork always has to suck, but it does. The European artwork is probably better, but you, if you looked up Ninja Assassin... What immediately draws your eye, white background, and some dude on the cover who does not look like a ninja. Now, he's got action stance, action face, the war face. He's got that. He's holding a Kurosaga, I think it's called not sure is it or it's probably like a kuriska how they would pronounce it whatever it's the thing like the knife with the long chain and then the weighted ball at the other end you know that really cool thing like, i don't know if you've played neo but you know that thing's pretty badass um or like when you play ninja gaiden uh, the second boss he's got one of those that uh, on the nintendo the second boss he's Flipping one of those bad boys around. So, anyway, on the cover, you got the dude in leather pants, leather jacket, and like he's got ripped abs and stuff, and he's doing the ah face, and he's holding the Kiriska, and this underneath it says Ninja Assassin, and right, it's also got a Ninja Star. Oh, and it's got a really cool tagline, though Fear not the weapon, but the hand that wields it. So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) look. It's even got blood splatters and stuff. It's got a real... It, it's very unique. And it, it's it's not... I mean, I just said it sucked. It's not bad. It's just not good. It's not good. Let me tell you what's going to make me pick up your movie. You ever seen that movie Ninja with Scott Adkins? Probably don't know it by the name, but I guarantee you if you picked up the box, you'd be like, ooh, I'm renting that. That's, that's box art. That's how you get someone. This is not. I mean, it is, but look, it's called Ninja Assassin. Put a freaking ninja on the cover. I have... Really, with this box art, I have no clue what I'm getting into. Fortunately, I'm a sucker for a ninja flick, so I'm going to watch it. They've already got me. But that, again, might kind of be why it didn't go through. So anyway, yes, what you have in the synopsis of Ninja Assassin, that was pretty broad. I love the way this flick kicks off. It's a setup the way you would expect it to be, almost like Ninja Turtles, which is a good... I mean that actually that movie itself was a really good film, but this kind of sets it up almost like Ninja Turtles or even Batman. It does the mysterious superhero setup in that you have your typical like drug game sitting in some kind of warehouse den thing, and the dude's getting a tattoo. And <laughs> he's getting like old school tattoo like the old dude behind him sitting there chiseling in with the bamboo shoot and the dude's back. It's just like, geez. So anyway, there's some yada yada and then some talk of this and talking that. And then the guy's like, I know who you speak. He come from shadow and stuff like that. And next thing you know, people just start dying immediately. Once the stuff start happens, it's like four minutes of just, you know, ham fisted, yucking it up. And you you understand immediately kind of the cheesy nature of this sequence. And that's not indicative of the entire film. I actually kind of, I find it funny. It's a uh, misdirection of sorts. Just that really hammy, stupid dialogue. It, it played well. It just, it is what it is. It's what you expect, drugged in. And as the scene progresses, you're like, I wonder if someone's going to die. You've seen this setup before. And sure enough... It starts happening. People start dying left and right. An entire room is just slaughtered. The blood is delicious. It is so wonderful. The first kill is an upper well, let's not even say it's just very gory and very wonderful. It's a mix of real and CGI blood. I am am a fan of that. I have told y'all before, especially when it's done cleverly or with the right aesthetic. Look, it works. I've grown up playing video games. I love the fake blood. I love lots of... I want buckets of it. And this movie delivers. (laughs) The blood sprays are delicious. This thing actually feels like a video game. If the only thing that's missing in this are robots and some kind of demonic possession like, evil sorcerer thing. It, I mean, it actually has that. Let's go down the checklist. Let me see what this... Let's go ahead and let's hit the checklist. Let's do the bullet points. I've already said the box art is kind of... And I'm not going to spoil the the plot for this flick. You should watch it. I'll go ahead and... T- we already know. I've already said it's like the coolest ninja flick ever. So, I mean, you we've already gathered. I highly recommend you watch this thing. But let's let's hit the bullet points. Ninja. Yes, it has that. It It actually has a lot of them. Most ninja movies, like the older ones, yeah, you had that, but even the canon films only have a couple. Uh, The very first, what, Enter the Ninja with Frank Nero, that had like the most. Uh, Revenge of the Ninja with Shokoski. Actually, Shokoski was in all of them. I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, He, in Revenge of the Ninja, there weren't that many ninjas. In fact, I think there was only two him and then the other guy. So, you got that Ninja 3 domination. There's only one. And then, and then it becomes the chick. So, it, I want lots of ninjas. In Ninja Gaiden, there's one ninja. You're Ryu. And yet, you still fight other ninja. You see a whole lot of them as the game unfolds. If you play Ninja Gaiden on the Xbox and get past the first couple of enemies, you notice that you're fighting ninjas all the time with that stylistic blood spray. This movie has that. This movie has that Xbox Ninja Gaiden feel to it. It's, it feels fast paced. The film actually slows down, but it is when things happen, it's badass. This is no other way to put it. So, bullet points we have Ninja, check. Uh, multicolored Ninja, not this time. No, they're not like mini-bosses or anything like that. All the ninja are black. So we have that ninja ma- ninja magic. Kobudera. <laughs> yes, Kobodera. Uh, as I so eloquently put it, or <clears throat> as Derek also eloquently put it, finger shit. They have, you know, where they do the... Kin Rizzo, Sai do. They do that. They have the, ninja sh- the uh, finger shit, ninja magic. In this movie... I've never seen it in any other film. They the ninja magic is not a plot device. It just is. It seriously, they just they it is so cool. The ninja blend into the shadows like and you see it like magically almost. They just and then they're in the shadows and you can't see them. So I mean, yes, it's CGI trickery. You can see the comp effects. But, dude, it's never been done. So it's badass. Like, they just blend into the shadows, and then they'll be over in the other side of the room, and they'll walk out of the shadow to be seen. It is so cool. Shuriken. Ninja stars. Man, they throw them like a video game. Y'all remember Shinobi? Uh most notably the arcade I really don't don't want to talk about the console ports of that game but the arcade it was shinobi and it played it it played like rolling thunder but the game itself almost felt like american ninja uh i think the cover of shinobi even had like shokoski uh oh crap i can't even, it was it might have been pray for death but uh where he had the you know, the same mask and everything. Anyway, they kind of used his face for the game. But anyway, Shinobi, how you would just walk through and you were just chucking ninja stars, like that was your main weapon. <laughs> they throw ninja stars in this movie like that. You'll hear this sound. It's like they take this oscillating gated effect, like a like that. And when you hear that, it, you just got ninja stars being thrown at you unmercifully. It is so wonderful. And blood everywhere. The body count in this thing is... Is ridiculous. It kicks off with it never gets boring. Just when you think this movie is going to get boring, something happens and it doesn't. It does your typical uh, three act structure, uh, as most films do, and it does almost your typical superhero journey, but it does it better because. Unlike your typical, you know, the typical American superhero journey, he pops out, ha ha, then he gets his ass kicked. Then he has to spend the next two hours trying to find himself and find his way to go back to like one three minute boss fight or whatever. (laughs) I hope I haven't ruined films for you, but go back and watch every Marvel film. It's kind of like that. Go back and watch every movie. It's essentially like that. It's like, wow, when you take away all the fat, this movie kind of sucks. I know a bold statement, watch The Matrix. Watch it again. Like really, when you trim away all the pizzazz, you actually only have about four minutes of fun and two hours of what the hell anyway. This movie it really does that. It starts off with the killing, and it'll give you little vignettes, like a past flashback of who Raiso actually is, where he came from and why. It's it's what you would expect, however, it is new. It's not boring. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, it's just it's awesome. He belongs to a secret order of assassin ninja. Steve James told us this, man. We know, we know this. He told us this. I'll run the clip for you. Ninja. What the
0: hell are ninja? They're a secret Japanese society expert in the art of
1: assassination. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Rest in peace, man. So anyway, Ninja Assassin. That I really just can't. Oh God, uh, you could tell. Three hundred had come out. When did three hundred come out? It came out a while. You can tell the same cinematic style. Has this Uh, It's whatever they call it Where it's fast And then slow And really cool They do that in here And it's badass Lots of blood Oh There's like Little flourish things Uh, At one point Rizo takes the Kiriska And starts whipping That bad boy around And you can actually See the I don't know what to call it The whoosh trail Behind it Just like Ninja Gaiden He takes a So you have the Kiriska Ninja stars A katana Lots of killing with all of these weapons, spin kicks, uh, blending into the shadows. I mean, ninja magic. And now let's get to, I mean, not really the high point, but certainly what we would call gravitas. Shokoski is in this movie, or as you would say, Shokosugi. as I might be. I don't know how they pronounce it. Sometimes they blend the consonants together and stuff. You know, so like whenever you look at it, it looks like Sasuke or Sasuke. It's pronounced Sasuke. So anyway, Shokoski, he is from the Canon Ninja trilogy. He was in Actually, he was in all of them. Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, and Ninja 3 Domination. He's like, really cool. He's an actual ninpo practitioner. Um, I won't bother to ask how much ninpo he knows. Uh, he never reveals his secrets. Anyway, he is in this. So it was really cool to see. And, and he's a badass. So, yeah, you have all the makings of a good ninja flick. You've got dojo. You've got cities. Like, this thing was... And maybe another thing is that it was international is a problem with the marketing. Not really a problem. It just It's got Naomi Harris from uh 28 Days Later, she's in it. It just, dude, I can't really begin. I know it just sounds like all you hear is, dude, this thing's bad, but I am telling you, if you need a good ninja flick, and now I'm a sucker, I will say any ninja flick's a good ninja flick, but well maybe there's a couple that can kinda of <laughs> Watch this one. This is so refreshing. If it did it, its job well, and I know it did because actually it, I probably watched this is what compelled me like a couple of years ago to, you know, say, you know what the heck with it. I'm going to do a Ninja Gaiden run and, you know, go through the NES trilogy on Nintendo straight up, it was probably watching this flick because this does it. It just, it has everything. Like I said, for me, the only thing lacking was uh cyborgs and like some sort of demonic possession or something. <laughs> it, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but just hear me out, okay? Because if we introduced like some kind of cyborg thing and then maybe like an actual mention of a devil-worshipping corporate syndicate this would be the coolest movie in history. <laughs> I mean seriously, that's a, this movie is that cool. So yeah, this is a definite recommendation and I guess you know what's my saying? Actually, I know the saying. Uh oh, by the way, the Wachowskis since I mentioned the Matrix, they actually were the ones that I think they produced the flick or something like that. The the Wachowskis are involved in this somehow and you can tell because the Hong Kong action as I, I think, I don't know what they call it. Do they even still call it chop is this, this isn't really a chop flick because it's just nothing but k- like straight killing with blades and stuff. Anyway, they were involved. So there's, you know, if you need like their action stamp of approval, they were in it. Anyway, this movie absolutely delivers. I've often said that on a long enough timeline, every flick hits the bottom shelf. I think this. This thing was, like, on Amazon Prime, and all of a sudden it wasn't. It was like, really? Wow. Okay. So, I mean, listen, movie studios, don't be a dick, because, I mean, you you know immediately what happens whenever I pull up a subscription service, and it's like, oh, it's not on there. But it was. I just watched it, like, a month ago, but now it's not. So, guess where I went? So, yeah. I'm doing the middle finger, Hollywood. Can you Can you see it? Anyway, I need to go further with that. <laughs> anyway, I'm not ending on a down note. Ninja Assassin, this movie is so badass, I really can't go into it. You need to watch it. If you haven't watched it, you absolutely need to watch it. And if you have watched it, watch it again. <laughs> this, thing, this thing's that cool. So anyway, I have been Dan. I will not monopolize any more of your time. This has been The Bottom Rack. Uh, and I'll holler at y'all later. Y'all take care, okay? you oh,
5: you wrote dear listeners this has been another episode of astro radio z thank you for tuning in and i hope you enjoyed the ride so until next time please take care of yourself and each other just like jerry springer said adios